Radio by Jack Roberts. If you've tuned in, it means you are driven to deepen your knowledge of business, entrepreneurship, health, fitness, and so much more. It is my mission to make a positive impact in the lives of those listening by providing insights into the world of high-performance people. Our guest today is Adam Rossum. Adam is a serial entrepreneur from car dealerships to falafel shops and now finally as the founder and director of Alive Studios, Spin It 360 and children's book and animation, Pat the Spider. Adam founded Alive Studios as a freelance 3D render artist whilst working full-time at a large architecture firm. Adam quickly grew his client base with Alive but was still tied to a secure paycheck at the company he worked. So in order to keep his dream alive, he literally outworked the competition, doing nine to five at his day job before coming home and working through the night till 3, 4 a.m. in the morning for three years before he finally decided to take the risk and become his own boss full time. Since then, Adam has continued to grow Alive Studios into a six-figure full-service property visualization agency and has his sights set on seven figures. The success with Alive has allowed Adam to pursue his other ventures in app development with Spinit 360 and building his animated character, Pat the Spider, and preparing Pat for his big screen debut in the future. Adam, welcome to Radio. Thanks, Jack. Thanks for having me. No worries. Great to speak. Um, Adam, take me through your early years working in uh, the family business and then uh, eventually, you know, spreading across obviously a little period of time, but uh, then eventually working your way up to running that business. Yeah, so... Um, growing up, my father, obviously, my family came um, as, um, you know, migrated from Australia, from uh, Lebanon. Um, and, you know, obviously, they came and started working for, for companies here, you know, factories like Dunlop Tires and stuff when they, you know, when they were open back in the days. Um, and then, the, you know, before I was born, he, had his, he started to get into his own business, um, you know, like... You know, coming from overseas, I always wanted to be independent. I really didn't want to, you know, always work for someone. So my dad started his own businesses, um, and obviously, you know, cars selling and buying cars was one of his things. Um, he was really good at, um, and yeah, he ended up, you know, having by the time I was born, and you know, by the time I was ten, eleven, twelve, and and you know, growing up, he he was in you know a car dealership. Um, so I spent my teen years, uh, you know, just hanging around the business, you know, assisting my father, you know, just helping out the family business type thing. And, you know, I constantly kept seeing my father struggling with the business side of things, you know. So he, he was a really good uh, car salesman. There was no doubt about that. Like he could, you know, s- sell you anything. Um, but when it comes to business, um, he, did, he just didn't understand the structure um, didn't understand, you know, the, the filing, the, you know, the systems that, you know, that build the foundation to a good business to, to sustain it and keep it running efficiently. Um, and, yeah, so I constantly kept seeing that and he was a failure in that side of things. So I was, you know, I would just help him because obviously I respected my father and, you know, I did what he told me, even though sometimes I didn't agree with it. Um but then, you know, and this was when I was at school. So I was in high school doing, you know, um, my studies and stuff like that. But as soon as I graduated, um, yeah, I pretty much didn't know what I wanted to do in school. I just pretty much finished, you know, what I did. Um, I did have a natural talent for art. 
but obviously growing up with a, an Arab family, they were sort of against that, you know, like, you know, making money from art and stuff. Like, what is that? You know, like go open up a, a takeaway shop or a fruit <laughs> shop or stuff yeah. like that. Um, so obviously, you know, I sort of put that on hold and my sisters supported me and, and try and push me to, to, you know, to follow my skill set which I sort of ignored because, like I said, I was listening to my parents. So there you go, like there's always a, that battle. Um, and I decided to work with my father full-time in the business. Um, and straight, straight, you know, early on, I straight away said to my father that I can't work like this. Like if you're going to, if you want me to work with you, I'm either going to have to take over the business um, completely and you do your own thing. Or, um, oh, I just got to leave, you know, and obviously my dad wanted me to, you know, to help him out. So he sort of stepped back from the business and he took a little holiday himself and allowed me to, you know, rebrand the business, um, you know, come up with advertising uh, structures and, um, and just trying to improve the business. And I did, you know, within the first year I was, you know, every week or, we you know, our numbers were high selling cars and turning over. Um, but obviously that only went for so long because my father got bored and he wanted to come back and get back to work. So he sort of started to push his way back into the business and, and saying like, I'll have just this little section and you can have the rest of it. And I was like, oh, you know, but again, being my father and I sort of took the business away from him. I sort of had to, again, sort of bring him back in and, and support him. Um, and it just became a mess because obviously it wasn't two separate businesses. It was the same business. So all his paperwork was all scrambled up with mine and I started to lose track of what I was doing. Um, and then I just said to my father, you know what, I, I can't do this. I've got, I've got to go. So after I ran it for about two years, um, I decided to give it up, give it back to my father. Um, and, I, and, and really to tell you the honest truth, if I stayed any longer, um, I wouldn't have lasted anyway because I, I believe that a, a car dealership uh, industry is an old people's game. So it's pretty much people who don't like to run around a lot and stuff. It's pretty much, you know, you just buy the cars, you clean them up, you sit there, you wait for them to sell. Um, you know, back then online wasn't as much as it is today. I'm guessing if you know, online sales were as strong as today, maybe there could have been quicker turnover and more things to do. But Back then, you would just buy the cars, clean them up, um, you know, paint them, touch them up, whatever, put them on the lot, and you would sit and wait for a week before, you know, you, you start selling. Um, and that just, yeah, that got way too boring for me. Um, so I just, yeah, I wouldn't have lasted anyway. So, yeah, so I ended up leaving. Um, and, you know, I didn't have any skills because, you know, I told you I graduated and then I went straight on to um, my father's business. I didn't really go into any extra So you're studies. about 20 years old. At this point, about two years out of school. That's correct, yeah. So I was 20 years old and um, like I said, I was still a bit hard-headed. Um, I, you know, I was sort of, because I was my own boss at such a young age, I thought I was all that, you know. So I was just like not taking too much advice in. I was trying to do my own things and, you know, still listening to my parents, obviously, because of that respect. But I, like I said, I just didn't have any direction. So... After struggling for two years, um, like I did have money, but obviously if it wasn't constant money, like a wage or something back in, back in that day, at, at my age, I was sort of a bit scared, like not having a constant income. Um, so I decided to, you know, apply for work. And obviously as an uneducated 20-year-old 
um, what are you going to get except working at a factory, picking up boxes and, um, and you know, uh, unloading containers. So that's what I ended up doing. Um, and all, like it sort of relieved this, the, the pressure off me and my family. Like, for example, the, the, the relief for me was having a constant income so I could sort of live a, a normal sort of decent life, just having weekly income um, to spend. Um, and then obviously just, uh, you know, take the pressure off my family instead of them always being on my back, like that I have, you know, like you need to get a job or you still need to start making some money. Um, that, that, that got them off my back a bit. So, you know, that, that time the job wasn't the best, obviously. Like I was, you know, I was like in my own, I was imprisoned in my own mind going to that job because it was just brain dead work. And it was just, I knew I had more to contribute to, to society than just what I was doing there. Um, and then what I ended up doing is I ended up buying a house. So I had a property at a young age as well through selling cars. But obviously, like I said, the income wasn't as stable. So it was always pressure, pressure every single month to, to try and make repayments for that property. Um, so obviously having the, the warehouse job um, as well, uh, you know, lessened that, that stress there. Um, and then after that, I, you know, like I said, life was good, but I wasn't happy. Like the, the job wasn't great. So I wasn't happy with my work, but the income was okay for me to live on. But just again, to cut in quickly, yeah. what were you doing with most of your time? Was it, um, you know, obviously you're going off to work nine to five, but then afterwards you're socializing a lot sort of with your friends going out, sort of living the usual life of a 21 year old, or I guess what, so, what did your sort of reality look like outside of work? So pretty much my work wasn't nine to five. Warehousing, I don't know if you know much about warehousing, but the, the hours are morning shift and, and afternoon shift. So it was uh, 6 a.m. start, uh, 2.30 finish, and then 2.30 start till um, uh, I think it was 12 o'clock midnight finish or something like that. That's the, the two hours. So you have to pick between those two shifts. Um, and I, st I stayed in morning shift for a while, like through the beginning of my warehousing because, like I said, I finished early, get to go home. But again, I was so wrecked and tired that I'll just go to sleep. So there wasn't much, you know, socializing or anything like that because you have to sleep early to wake up 6 a.m. again um, to be at work at 6 a.m. So you got to wake up like at 4 or something, you know. So there wasn't much socializing at all. At all. Like it was just pretty much um, uh, working, going home and, you know, maybe get try and get training in if you're not too tired just train at the gym and then just um stay home you know so it was the, the weekends obviously is what we looked forward to because you had two full days to to relax but again uh because i hated that job so bad um friday would come and as soon as it's saturday i'll be like oh monday's coming you know so, <laughs> mm. so um, i guess yeah. you're really living paycheck to paycheck um almost you know weekend to weekends just looking forward to getting a bit of time off and and relaxing, but you probably weren't really passionate about anything really that you were, I guess, doing with life. But on paper, you know, you had this property. Um, did you have a nice car at this point? Or um, I did, I did, um, yeah. because I had a fair bit of savings, um, and I was passionate about cars, and I'm still, I still am a passionate about cars. Um, I was, I was always like putting, you know, whatever savings I had towards something nice to drive. Um, so again, I was living like a pretty nice life with, in terms of having a nice car in my twenties and, um, having a nice, you know, paycheck and then having that property to keep my parents off my back that at least I've got a house, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah. it was okay, but like you said, it was just, I hadn't, there was nothing, there was no future there. It was just working to pay the house 
and that's it. You know what I mean? Like, and it was, you know, and times were good back then. But you can imagine, like, as soon as it's starting to come into these years, can you imagine if I stayed in that job? Like, I would be pretty much broke with probably back to renting and, and sitting on, on Centrelink. Yeah. I guess uh, the reason why I wanted to go there with this question is I think that that's a classic story of how a young guy sort of on paper and, you know, these days with the lens of, of Instagram, you know, you sort of look like you've got everything going for you. You've bought yourself a property at 21. You've got, you know, you've got a fat whip um, that you're driving around in. Uh, I'm not sure what area you were living in at the time, but, um, you know, up and down Chapel Street doing some chap laps, trying to sort of impress the girls and everything like that. But sort of on the inside, you were sitting there and you were pretty miserable and sort of pretty unhappy with, I guess, where you were going in life. Exactly right. You, you've actually n- nailed it. Exactly. That's exactly how I felt. Um, you know, like, you know, driving that nice car and back in the days, there used to be the chapel laps and stuff. That was, you know, the popular thing to do back in those days. Um, so that you take away the, like you said, just let me live a different life. And I go out with my friends to, you know, to go down and cruise in the car and, you know, um, just have fun. That would sort of just make me forget about my reality. Um, and I guess it's, um, like I said, yeah, that's all I did. It was just a continuous cycle and it's a very dangerous one because again, when you have a property, um, and you have, you know, you don't have a, a, you know, a proper job or a job that you're happy with. Um, you get to, you, you know, you're stuck in that rat race where it's pretty much just um, work, pay bills, work, pay bills, work, pay bills until you're you're dead, you know. And um, that's pretty much the hardest part to get out of that cycle. And because you know, I'm 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 happy that, you know, I, I believe that my father. Um, you know, just I believe that my father gave me that instinct, you know, that instinct that, and that I had in the back of my mind that I always wanted to be my own boss um, because, you know, I grew up with a friend of mine who is, is you know, exactly identical to me. We think alike. We watch the same movies. We watch the same TV shows. We've been friends since grade four and we're still friends till this day. Um, but it's just amazing how we've been friends for so long. And the the only difference between me and him is that I want I continue to pursue being my own boss, and he just wanted to work for someone. And like that, just that sex, that area of thinking there is just amazing. How we just so far apart in thinking. Um, so he, you know, till now he just works a, a normal job, nine to five, um, and he has a property and he has a rental property, and he's married and he's living a comfortable life. But that's it, you know what I mean? Like he just works and just he's in that rat race as well. So he just works, pays bills, works, pays bills. And he's happy with that. And that's the thing. Like I sort of sometimes admire that, um, that he can be happy with that because I just can't. In, my, in the back of my mind, my, my mother would want me to be like that. But something in my mind just tells me that that's just not enough for me, you know? And um, yeah, and like, you know, I did that. Like I ended up getting a job. Like I went back to school late. I, I studied, I put in the time, I graduated um, after a couple of other failed businesses as well um, after the car, the, the car dealership um, because like I said, I left the warehouse and then I pursued other options in business. Again, um, uneducated guesses and things like that and just led to failure again. Um, Would you say always sort of chasing, at at that point, you were probably chasing the money and not really chasing um, the happiness or the joy, the things that I I guess made you, you know, art was something that you were naturally, naturally drawn to and obviously enjoyed that process, but 
you were chasing, you know, you were chasing the big paycheck and each business you were investing in and putting yourself into was really around, I guess, the bottom line and what you could make out of it? Um, no, look, I, like I said, everything that I did was I did for my family, right? Mm-hmm. Like I listened to my family. Um, they told me what to do and I just followed them because I was too scared to make mistakes. Um, and that, you know, that, that, that thing there being scared to make mistakes, um, that is like, I said, that, that can haunt anyone trying to be an entrepreneur or trying to start their own business or trying to lead instead of following, you know? So, um, yeah, because I was younger, my mindset was younger back then. Um, you know, I was obviously scared to disappoint my parents. Um, so what would end up happening is I would listen to them so that if the, so if, and, and the funny thing is I knew I was going to fail. Like I knew I was going to fail with their, it wasn't my fault. And, um, it was just so stupid now that I think about it because I should have just, um, like just said, no, you know, just went my own way. But again, Mm -hmm. because in my culture, respect is so strong. It's like, I was scared to disrespect my parents by saying, no, I don't want to do this. I want to do this. Um, yep. but after the, the second failed business, which you mentioned earlier, um, uh, my mum just broke down and that pretty much broke my family. Like my mum and my dad started fighting from, and I, you know, and, you know, sharing this out in public, not many people know, but obviously I closed down as well because I lost money again. And I just felt like a, a, a complete failure. Like I actually had no more money. Um, my parents have had given up on me. Like they said, you know what, do whatever you want from now on. We're not going to get involved, but we're not going to help you out with anything either because we just, we, we can't anymore. And I'm just like, so really I just like, you know what, now that my family did that, which I was sort of glad it was a bit harsh, but I was glad that they said, we're not going to help you anymore because now I can just turn around and say, I don't want nothing from you. I don't want any of your ideas. I don't want any of your um, future, you know, you know, tell me what my future is going to be, things like that. I'm just going to do my own thing. Um, and it was amazing. It was just all meant to be because I was sitting in the lounge room and my brother-in-law bring in the Herald Sun and he's like, have a look at this article. And this article was obviously based on something you know, like completely different. And I, he just wanted me to see the article. But on the bottom, there was a, a, a banner saying, do you want to study animation? And I was like, wow, you know what I mean? Like, I've always wanted to study animation. I've always had the artistic, you know, to study something artistic in the back of my mind. And I'm like, this looks so me, you know? Um, so I started studying that. And, yeah, I aced it um, because it came natural to me, you know? Like, I actually did the extra cur- curriculums and I did the extra stuff to get the extra bonus points and, and marks and stuff like that. And I was just like, it just be- it came easy. Like, back in school when I was studying all the other stuff, it was, there was such a, like, I felt like it was such a, like, a, it was so much effort to try and, and get, you know, any type of um, mark. But with um, this animation course, like I said, it just, I aced everything and it felt so easy. Um, and then that's how I ended up getting a job in ArcViz um, and then from there I just started to work for studios and started to and in the back of my mind ever since I started working for studios um, and going from studio to studio I didn't last more than six to eight months in each job um, which I knew that I was I, I knew what I was doing from the start I knew that I was going from job to job because I actually wanted to eventually open up my own thing so I wanted to get as much experience as possible um, and what ended up happening is uh, yeah, I started getting, you know, job after job. And um, finally, I 
decided to I wanted to open up my own business and then all of a sudden I was about to get married and I did get married and I was like oh no you know so like marriage came right about the time that I wanted to open up my own business so I was like I, I have to stay in my job a little bit longer so I stayed in my job to build up um, a live studios on the side mm. um, can I just stop and, you briefly um, yeah. just to just to sort of touch on that feeling you were having when I guess you're, you're about to get married, you think you're about to go and do sort of a live studio as your own business um, and then retracing it to the feeling about, uh, you mentioned earlier, you know, your parents were telling you to get into a certain business and you had a feeling that it was sort of going to fail, like you knew it wasn't the right thing. Um, I guess that obviously came from somewhere, you know, inside you, whether you call it sort of intuition or, um, you know, some kind of, I guess, divine guidance. Um, did you sort of have the same feeling at, at, at that time that as you were sort of going, um, you know, as you were about to take a full-time job again and sort of move away from live studios for obviously the betterment of your family again, did you sort of have that same feeling that you knew you were going a little bit off track and that your calling was, was always to go towards doing a life? Um, well, I guess what happened is um, that feeling that you're talking about, like, you know, I didn't want to fail because I had that pressure again. Like now that I was getting, like now that I got married, obviously I've got a responsibility that's solely on me to support my family, mm -hmm. um, my new family. Um, and again, if I did anything to fail my new family, I'm obviously failing my, you know, my mum and my dad um, on that side of things as well. So, it sort of brought back memories about um, having a business again, you know, because I haven't had, I haven't been in the business for so long. I've been working from studio to studio, having a secure job and a paycheck. Um, it was sort of like I said, yeah, it was a scary feeling, but because I was at a more professional level, um, my knowledge base was more expanded and I was in a world where my parents or pretty much anyone that wasn't in that world that I was in that industry um, didn't understand so I really didn't care about opinions back, um, at that stage anymore so I was pretty much like yeah. I, I started making educated decisions you know like can I open up my full-time business now or not and my educated um, decision at that time was to stay a little bit longer not too long but just a little bit longer in my full-time job because I just got married um, yep. until that all settles down after a couple of months, then I thought I'll jump in because um, again, I was confident that I, I had, you know, my client database was growing. Um, I had repeat business. Um, I was getting compliments. Um, and obviously this time it was so different because of social media, Instagram, um, LinkedIn, obviously LinkedIn is my biggest network I've ever had with like over almost 18,000 connections now. I've built up from, from zero to that now because of all that experience and just networking with the right people. And um, every time I post my work and post new projects, um, I get all these compliments from um, people who matter. Um, and I was just like, well, if they're seeing all this in me, then I can see that in myself as well. Yep. Um, and that just, yeah, it's just such a high. I got addicted early on to just creating amazing work to get that attention on social media. Um, and because that it started to get become an addiction, I just started to wanting to get more work, and then I started to wanting to close bigger bigger jobs, um, and then I just started to become this businessman where I really wanted to close 
you know, big deals um, so that I can secure those types of um, high-end um, and projects with a name um, so that when I post it, I actually get the attention that I want. And it just started snowballing from there. And um, obviously, mm. I was just like, you know what? I can start a live studios um, pretty comfortably. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but, the, you know, um, the thing that really made me start a live studios. Um, That's what I wanted to. <laughs> I really wanted yeah. to get to this story because I guess yeah. just to frame it for people, um, the first time I ever met, um, I think we spoke about this the first time we ever met, um, which is probably oh, going back 18 months ago now. Um, and I guess, you know, hearing everything you've spoken about, that fear of failure, um, that it sort of crippled you in so many businesses in the past and, you know, not wanting to disappoint your family. I guess the moment you had um, when you, you've been building up, I guess you've been building up a live studios basically at nighttime. So you were coming home from work and you're putting in all of this work behind the scenes. You're obviously getting rewarded on, you know, social media. People are telling you your work's great and you've really got something going. But I guess that fear of failure was probably like one of the last hurdles that you had to get over to just, um, to just start. And I think, well, obviously you'll take us through the events, but I think, you know, the story that you have and the catalyst for you to go out, um, you know, to go out and actually give it a crack and, and follow your dreams into a live studios is probably one of the, one of the most humbling, um, but also one of the most amazing stories I've ever heard. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, I guess it's all tragic in, in some senses as well. <laughs> I guess we should, we should say it. Don't wish um, yeah. that event on anyone as a catalyst to start the business. But I guess from the sense of all the work you did and, and what you'd overcome, um, it's an amazing story. Yeah, I guess, um, you know, you hear a lot of um, talk, you know, when, you, when people are talking about entrepreneurship and being an entrepreneur and being your own boss um, to to be persistent, you know, to be constantly um, uh, pursue your dream and, and not give up no matter what. And obviously the stories that I've just mentioned earlier about how much I've failed and how much, you know, it's, it's affected my family, it's broken my family, it's broken me. Um, I've lost life savings twice in my life um, at an early age, which that can cripple anyone. Um, but that's just the thing. Like you either have the entrepreneurship inside you or you don't. And like I said, I, I, it's, it's something that I'm not, you can't make up. You know what I mean? Like I, I can't say that I'm, I'm trying to be someone that I'm not. It's just, that's just who I am. And, um, and, and what happened is, yeah, when I was ready to open up my own business, like I said, not only did I have my, my wife, um, my newly, you know, newly, newly married um, wife, and obviously um, her family to to not disappoint, and plus my family. Like the pressure was just way too much that I could not. If I stuff up, I'll, you know, everything can um, can 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 you know can can get destroyed. Um, so what ended up happening is, you know, to work two jobs. Um, it, you know, it started to take a toll on my health. Um, so, you know, I would work from nine to five, but obviously to get to work at nine, I'd be up at seven. Um, and then to come home and then start my business and work till, you know, three, four a.m., I was only getting two, three hours sleep um, a day, you know, and like, and that included having a nap for 40 minutes on my lunch break because I, I wouldn't, I would eat on my, at my desk. So I can sleep for 40 minutes when I did have lunch, you know, because I was just way too tired. And I knew I couldn't sustain it. Um, and in the back of my head, I knew that that wasn't going to be um, a long-term thing. Um, but the funny thing is, when, when it comes to your health, you don't know what's going to happen. 
tomorrow or the day after or, you know, five, six months down the track. So even though I knew this wasn't long term, um, obviously it caught up on me pretty quickly and I collapsed. Like I actually collapsed in, um, in my home um, and I was pretty much unresponsive uh, to the world for about five minutes. So, you know, that was a very big scare. Um, my wife saw me laying on the floor there and she was, you know, I can hear her. Um, I can hear her, but the thing is, I was just out. Like it was just a, it was a surreal feeling. Like I was out of this world, but I can just hear echoes of my wife. You know, t- trying to, you know, call my mum and tell her, you know, there's something wrong. Um, he's not waking up and things like that. And it was just unbelievable. But yeah, it took me five minutes to just come back to life, um, to back to back to earth. And um, you know, I just had to drink some water and um, sort of, you know, focus. But it was that point that I just said. Um, I have to make a decision now. Do I leave uh, what I've been dreaming about my whole life and just go back to work because I have a family now and plus uh, my health? Or do I just leave um, my full-time job and start the business and just hope for the best and try to do my best to, to sustain that and keep it going? Um, and that's what I decided to do. You know, that's just the dream that I've always had. I decided to go for it because um, if I didn't make that decision, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, which is the happiest I've ever been in my life, you know. So I've got the freedom, I've got my own business. I, it's like I said, it's a, it's given me time to to have um, uh, to pursue other ideas, like you were talking about the the, the three sixty app that I've got coming up um, this year, um, and now the character, the animated character that I've got a, a movie idea for, but I'm you know slowly building up a brand for for him. Um, and yeah, you know, I couldn't have done all of that if I just had a nine to five job because I've got bills to pay and obviously, you know, you can't come home and then try and do all these ideas and then go back to work in the, in the morning again, because my mind will be always on those business ideas. And it's just, again, I'll be in a, in a, in a cycle that I'm not happy with, but now it's, everything's going fine. I've, you know, I'm making more money than I've ever made working anywhere. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, life is good. I guess to recap, and you breeze over it so quickly, um, so yeah. <laughs> you're so nonchalant about it. Um, <laughs> but in essence, you you came home from work one day. You went to you went to freshen up in the bathroom, um, and you basically, you know, as far as you as far as you knew, I guess from inside your body, you departed. You know, you sort of departed this planet. You went somewhere else, and your wife finds you laying on the floor. Um, can't wake you up. You know, you obviously recounted that you sort of have some recollection of, of her there, but almost like an out of body kind of, out of body kind of experience, yeah. um, and that really became the catalyst to you just saying, um, you know, sort of, I, I guess, in, you know, in a really simplistic way, fuck it, like let's let's go for what I've always wanted and let's chase, um, you know, let's chase the Alive Studios dream. Well, yeah, like I said, um, you know, because I had so much deadlines, um, you know, like obviously at my job was a high, it was a high pressure job. I had a, I had a, um, a, a very senior lead role where I was the, the head of 3D for um, three different offices in three different states. So it was a big responsibility and I had so much deadlines that I had to meet. Um, and, and then I also had high, like a lot of deadlines that I had to meet at home as well um, for my clients, for my own business. So you can imagine how much pressure that was. And um, because I wasn't sleeping well, I was um, easily, you know, getting the flu or getting the colds or um, just my body was just deteriorating in terms of um, just couldn't handle, you know, no sleep and just high pressure of, um, of deadlines. Mm. Um, 
and what happened was because I had a deadline and I had the flu or the cold at the same time, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't rest because if I didn't make the deadline and, you know, they've got, they had a meeting, I had to make the, the, the deadline. Um, so I was stuck, you know what I mean? I had to finish the work. There was no other option. So I finished the work um, and then that's when I collapsed. Like I went to, to freshen up and just to to you know um compose myself and i ended up collapsing um because i just you know you just don't know when your health is just going to give up on you you know that's why you, people need to look after yourselves um because you know that's always number one but again because um i did it in a from you know in a different way um you know i, I guess everyone has their own way of how their own way of getting to the path that they want to go to um, that was my path because I just, like I said, I just had um, too much failures in the past, so I couldn't afford to fail. So the pressure was high, and that just ended up what ended up happening. Like I said, I, I collapsed, and um, I was, you know, um, out of this world for a while um, until I got back to it. Yeah. And when you made that decision, I guess you know it probably would have been. I, I assume that a, a kind of event like that, uh, the decision to pursue a live was probably a pretty fast one at that point. Like you obviously would have given it some consideration, but you know, was it sort of within 24, 48 hours, you sort of had decided that a live was the way to go or did it take you a little bit longer? Uh, no, it was pretty much, um, it was, uh, it, as soon as I collapsed and then I, I got to, um, I had to go to bed. I had to rest in bed. I just, that's it. Like there was, you know, deadline or no deadline. I just, there's, that's it. Like health now all of a sudden, is the priority, which is like I said, which is sad that it's humbling a in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know, it was, it was, but it was like I said, it was all meant to be. Like I'm, I'm glad that happened because it sort of pushed me to to a, a new level that I thought I wouldn't get to, and I guess collapsing um, with my health there um, allowed me to just um, think about the next level without any hesitation. Yeah. Um, so I guess what ended up happening is, um, as soon as I was in bed and my family came to visit and just to say, you know, you need to look after yourself. You can't keep doing this. I just, um, the decision was made right there that that's it. I got to go with the live studios. Um, I'm not mm. going to do a full-time job. I just can't. Um, and then what ended up happening is, um, yeah, like that two weeks notice that you have to give your employer was like hell <laughs> because I knew that I just wanted to get on with my own business. So I used that two weeks pretty much to, you know, I still had, you know, I was still getting income. So that was great. And it was just good to, um, I used that two weeks to start um, setting up my business, I guess, you know. So I guess that was um, pretty instant. Um, I started to buy the equipment that I needed, started to buy the software that I needed. Um, every single night I'll be researching for software because I needed to obviously structure my business in a way where um, everything was organized and it was a system, it was a systematic service so that people, you know, from, from the moment the client comes and approaches me till the end product, I actually built a system uh, pretty similar to the franchise system, you know, that everyone talks about, like the McDonald's system and the, you know, um, the Nando system and all those other um, franchise-based businesses. Um, I sort of used that franchise business to sort of, um, that structure, to sort of uh, structure Alive Studios to what it is today. So you obviously speaking about, um, you know, franchise structure and things like that. Um, you initially, when you went out, I guess, to, to start Alive as a full-time, as a full-time venture, um, what, I guess, what was, 
what was the plan really like? So you've, you've done all the research, you've used this two-week period to get all the software, everything everything in order, but what was your first point of call? Um, you know, were you hiring staff? Were you, um, you know, researching how to invoice clients, all of those things? Um, I guess, what did that process look like as far as startup? Obviously, you've mastered, you know, 3D rendering, um, which I guess for people that don't know what 3D rendering is, it's basically a computer visualisation of of an image. So um, Adam specialises in in the property side of things, so buildings that aren't built, um, yet you visualise it on a screen and you, you present it that way, whether it's in a, you know, in a flat 2D um, kind of, 2D is the wrong word. It's it's a 3D image, um, but then you also obviously do animation and video and things like that as well. Um, but was your, I guess your first priority was to get render artists in? Were you looking for an office? Like, I guess, where did everything go business-wise from that moment that you decided that, all right, this is it? Um, so pretty much uh, as, what I mentioned earlier is when I kept going from uh, uh, studio to studio, um, I guess a lot of people, uh, what they would do, what you know, what what I think they would do would pretty much be um, gaining experience um, from going from studio to studio to learn different skills, um, where and then eventually becoming a senior level at a company. Where I, yeah. I thought about it in a different way. I thought about it in obviously gaining those skills so that I become a senior. But the other thing that I don't think a lot of people think about is um, what, what, what's the weaknesses and what's the strength of the business you're working for. Um, so a lot of people don't think about it like that. And I guess, like I said, obviously an, an, employee, an employer won't show an employee stuff like that. But that's um, not, not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is um, just seeing it in front of you. You know what I mean? So when I'll be working, mm-hmm. I'll be seeing the structure in front of me, which is always visible for the people who actually see it, you know, even though it's invisible. But when you actually see, when you want to see it that way, you can actually see the strength and the weaknesses. And um, when I kept going from studio to studio, I started to see how the structure works of, you know, of um, their filing structure, their, their IT work, um, all that type of stuff. Um, and I just, yeah, and I just kept in the back of my head, just kept saying, all right, so when I worked for this studio, um, this was good, but this lacked. And then when I went to the next studio, um, okay, wh- you know, what I well learned at the other studio was better or what with this new, this new job, um, they do it much better, but it can still be improved. Um, so I guess when I went from um, place to place, I started to get all the... Uh, so I guess I just started to get all the... Um, uh, the strengths from every single uh, studio that I worked for, and um, and then and then played up the weak, and then started to obviously look at the weaknesses, and then trying to um, strengthen those. Um, and I guess that's what you know. That's how I sort of built my business um, from the beginning, um, based on that. And then what ended up happening is that's when the uh, starting to hire staff came into play. Now, the the funny thing is, I had all that down pat like I had that all planned out properly except the hiring of the staff the hiring of the staff is so like a lot of people will tell you is, is a hard thing like um, you know managing people um, and, and staff and, and you know trying to um, you know nurture the skills um, within your studio is a very very hard task which um, uh, I guess yeah I, I didn't do too well at the, at the beginning um, I 
was a learning curve for you that, though as well. That was probably. a very big learning curve. Like that actually, I had no idea. I wasn't thinking that much about that start side of things. I was actually thinking more about the business and how to run a sustainable business to, for long term. But I wasn't actually thinking about hiring of the staff and actually you know, becoming on their level and trying to be a good um, leader, you know, a good example to them and trying to um, sort of make sure that they're in a happy, in a happy working environment, you know. That's just, um, that's a whole skill set altogether. And, you know, and, I, and now I know why people hire um, specialised people in that area because um, it actually takes someone specialised in, in an area like that to, to keep a studio um, or any business sort of um, to expand and um, and keep you know the, the work um, going um, and the workers going um, uh, being happy you know so uh, when I first started um, you know in the back of my head you know and I think a lot of people who are you know starting their own business as an entrepreneur and things like that would obviously the first thing they would want to do is hire someone who is on a low wage right um, so I started to look at someone who was a junior. Um, so that I don't have to pay them as much and then sort of I can sort of teach them the skills that I've learned and then hopefully they can um, grow within the, in the company. Um, but that was not the case at all. So, you know, I hired the first person um, and then he lasted two weeks and then it didn't work out so I had to get rid of him. And obviously that's the other bad thing to tell someone that you don't have a job. Like, oh my God, that's just something that I've never experienced as well. Like, and then I knew that I had to do that as well. So that was another task. So it was very daunting, you know. So I had to obviously set up a meeting and tell them to come in and say, look, sorry, you're just not right for this job. I have to let you go and things like that. It's, it's so bad. Like, it's easier to say it, you know, when you're talking over the phone or something. But when you do it face-to-face -to, -face to to someone in, when it's just you and, and them in, in, the, in the meeting room, it's, um, it's, it's pretty bad. So I ended up... Um, having to do that three times, you know, like one after the other because I just wasn't hiring the right person. It just wasn't fitting in um, until eventually I found someone and who stayed, you know, for about a year and a bit. Um, and then after that, um, instead of hiring a senior artist, I ended up hiring um, a project manager, um, which I think was a big mistake because um, I didn't have enough work for a project manager at the time. So there was no point of hiring a, a project manager. Um, and then when I hired him, um, to and then I did I wanted to keep him busy. So how to how do I keep him busy? I needed to get way more work than I could handle so that he can start project managing. Um, and because I couldn't do that myself, I ended up hiring a business development manager. Um, you know, with the with the the basis of you know they're hopefully going to um, you know all they do full time is just go out to clients and generate more work. Um, so all of a sudden, you can see that my business grew from me to you know it's already four people now and and the work wasn't still there like i wasn't getting enough work in to, to sustain four people um uh so what do i do you know so that's why i sort of had to um you know i eventually had to get rid of everyone i had to start back from scratch again <laughs> so you can see like there's a lot of ups and downs and like i said you just don't give up if you really want your own business you just have to keep finding solutions and i guess people even people with a big business you know a multi-million dollar business that's still running you know pretty well um they have to obviously as an entrepreneur and as a leader and as you know the you know the, the owner of the company you have to always come up with solutions to keep the wheels rolling forward and the future of the business um, a success. Um, so obviously I had to scale back down all the way back down to myself again. Um, 
and I had to rethink about it properly. I had to rethink about, you know, who, if I'm going to hire people, if I do want to hire people, if I want to freelance, how do I want to, how, how do I want to do it? So I ended up, um, you know, going back to being myself and then just going back to a full freelance platform. So now a live studios is an, a free, a fully freelance platform. So I've actually got all my freelancers who work for me. Um, I project manage everything um, through a chat program on, on my computer um, and I just pretty, pretty much, yeah, I just manage all the artists and, you know, I, they, they have the freedom to do the work how they want and we just give them the feedback that's required. Um, I don't have to, you know, pay superannuation. I don't have to pay um, a, a constant wage every week, whether the, the, the business is up or down um and and i don't have to pay them holiday and sick leave and all that there's so much other responsibility and insurance and stuff like people don't realize that just one person costs you a lot of money um to hire um and then if they leave within two or three weeks you've lost all that money so you can't and you can't control if people want to leave or not so it's um i'm, I'm very happy now with this freelance platform that i've got going especially now with this coronavirus um, thing hitting the the economy and um, and the market, it's um, I don't feel no pressure at all. Where like I, I can imagine, I can you know I can imagine that the companies that have all this staff, you know, the pressure they're feeling at the moment, it's like I don't wish that upon my my worst enemy. Mm. I guess in some senses as well, um, in a in a kind of roundabout way. Um, you the work you were doing initially as a live studios when you had your full time job was as a freelancer to um, you know for other clients and, and other businesses and you're almost you know some of the um, some of your freelancers that would be working for you probably are also working in full time jobs that they don't like and are sort of thinking about starting their own business I guess in a funny way um, you're sort of almost completing the circle there and helping helping other young artists get their start and, and get a little bit of money on the side to prospectively go and start their own, um, their own ventures as well, but also being able to provide them with constructive feedback um, and, you know, tips to improve their work um, because you're obviously, you know, you've got many, many years experience uh, in 3D visualization. Now um, I guess you can sort of mentor those people in, in some way Um but obviously also allows you to access a, a global pool of talent rather than just the people that are in Melbourne or that are in Australia. Um, you can sort of find the best render artists all around the world um, and put them to work on your projects. Yeah, so I guess, you know, there's a lot of advantages, obviously, to the way I'm running the business now, which um, I believe it's, it's just better for me. You know what I mean, like whether it's the, you know, whether it's, it's, it's got to be right for you. If it's right for yourself, then it's, it's just how it is. It's you're happy with it and you're happy and that's it. And mm. You don't have to worry about what everyone else is thinking. Um, so with me having the freelance platform now, um, yeah, it does allow um, freelance artists who either work full-time or are full-time freelance artists um, to, to have a sustainable income. Um, so obviously for me, being a 3D artist myself, not just trying to pursue an entrepreneur, um, uh, trying to be an entrepreneur or trying to be my own boss or whatever, um, uh, I understand what these artists think and I understand what these artists feel and stuff like that. So it's a very huge advantage for me to, to accommodate, to make them um, feel happy and comfortable and free. Um, and this is how I and, – and when I built a live series of the fully freelance platform that's sort of what I preach to the artists you know like I just say for example 
you know, it's Wednesday, it's, you know, 25 degrees, beautiful weather, um, and, you know, you, and you want to go to the park or you want to go to the beach or whatever, you can do that when you work with a live studios um, because you can then pick up the work in the evening um, and then just work um, during the evening. And you can't do that when you work full time mm. because when you work full time, it's nine to five and you have to be stuck in, in a studio or an office. Um, so obviously having the freedom to work when you want, where you want, um, it, it's amazing. But the thing is, uh, not everyone can open up their own business. So people who have a freelance business, I mean, okay, that's a business, but um, people don't have the skill to scale it more than that, you know what I mean? Or have the headspace for it. So pretty much they'll always stay that one person just taking on work enough for them, you know what I mean? Where me, I've scaled it to a point where I've, you know, I'm up to 22 artists um, around the world. Um, and pretty much I just give them work, um, you know, different types of images for different types of artists. And I just um, project manage the whole thing and make sure all the artwork looks consistent and the, the, the quality is consistent and um, the look and feel and things like that. And I guess that's the whole thing. I hold the whole thing together. So, for example, when a, a client comes to me and sees the quality and sees the service that I'm offering, they're putting their, their trust and their faith in me, not in the, the freelancers that I've got. So pretty much um, they make sure, they, I have to make sure that everything is put together nicely for the client so the client is satisfied. And I guess that's a skill set not many have. Um, and, and that's why the clients come to me um, to, to, to give me their projects because obviously they trust me. They don't, you know, because they, they can just go to, any freelance artist directly, right? Um, but the thing is, you know, you, they just they, there's no uh, how can I say? There's just no quality. Control. Not only quality, quality control, but there's they they have to know that the the, the work is going to come on time, right? Um, and they just don't know that if they just go to a freelance, um, just a normal freelancer. But when they come to a live studio, it's because it's a fully um, it's a fully sustainable business model, and it's um, and there's a reputation behind it. Um, you know, the client can just give us the work without thinking about it and just say, well, we just need it by this time. We have all these images. Um, can you get them done? And we've just been doing it for the past. Now I've been a freelance uh, platform for a year and a bit um, and we've had no bumps or hiccups or anything like that of any kind. So It's uh, incredible work and I guess a great, uh, a great insight to Again, like a lot of my guests on this show to date, how you've pivoted and adapted and changed um, with the times. And as you've sort of found pressure points in your business, you've alleviated them by moving to different strategies. Um, to take this in a slightly um, more personal direction now, um, you've mentioned to me previously the importance of um, the support you have from uh, your wife and your family in your entrepreneurial ventures uh what's that support really mean to you uh, well you know how i told you before i didn't have much support getting to where i am and i don't think a lot of people who go i guess go against their family's wishes um, would have the support they, they need um but the mm. funny thing is and i guess that's just not family it's just people in general that um when you when someone thinks differently to other people um they tend to uh, they tend to have negative thoughts towards them. Like, for example, like you know, that's not going to work. That's going to fail. Um, it could work, but I don't think you should take the risk. Um, yeah, that's a great idea, but um, just you know, do the safer the safer option. Um, and yes, you, you hear that a lot. 
until you get to until you prove them wrong, right? So um, I guess you know I went against my family's wishes because it got to the point where I broke them. I actually had to break them um, by failing um, miserably. Um, for them to understand that they have to leave me alone now. They have to let me do my own thing. They have to let me um, pursue my dreams um, if they want me to be successful in my life. Um, and I guess, um, you know, now that, you know, I, I thank God that Alive Shiraz is a success and it's, um, it's only growing um, when we've expanded so much since. Um, I guess now they support me, right? So <laughs> now they sort of... Um, you know, now they sort of, uh, they don't question my, my, any, they don't question anything I do in my business. I don't really tell them. I, I sort of mention things in passing, but I don't really ask for their opinion as much um, because I sort of, I'm at a confident level. I know what I'm doing. Um, and if I do need support, I sort of ask for the support that I want from people who have proven it, right? Um, so I don't ask people who, because mm. like I said, I don't get the right advice from people who haven't done it. Um, and I think you've mentioned that in the past um, in, in, um, in another podcast that you did with Josh. About mentors? I think and... it was more about people, yeah, yeah that, who give advice, but them themselves don't take the advice um, that they give. Um, so, yeah, I think um, my, my big thing, I've, you know, to, to clarify just for the sake of anyone listening that hasn't listened to that episode, um, Josh and I were discussing paying for, um, paying for mentors or paying for advice, which particularly as a young entrepreneur, um, if your family has only ever worked for wages and you don't really have any mentors, I guess, organically that you can go to, um, there's a lot of really good people, whether it's, um, you know, whether it's someone doing some consulting on the side of their business or life coaches um, or even, you know, even someone like a psychologist or a performance coach, um, you can sort of pay for advice uh, that can really fast track your your learning and the way uh, sometimes even just the mindset you approach business. Um, the one criteria we sort of put on that is it's typically important that that person is actually, if they're going to give you business advice, that they've run and operated a business before. And I guess that just leads into what you're saying, Adam. You Like when you have a problem, you now go to your extended network of people and you're like, I've got a problem with marketing. So you go to a guy that has a successful marketing business or a successful advertising business and you pick his brain. And if you've got a question about, you know, HR, say you're looking to, to hire an assistant or something like that in the future, you go to someone you know that's, you know, that's trained and has a background in, in human resources and you seek out that advice from people that have done it Yeah, before. exactly right. So it's, um, and, the, and the funny thing is, I mean, you know, you know me on a personal level as well. Um, so you know that I used to train and I used to be into my gym and my fitness. Um, and the funny thing is, I used to sort of um, uh, train people, not for, for money or anything, just they used to see my results and they sort of want to come along and, and have a training session with me. So I used to get those offers a lot. And the funny thing is, um, and you know, sometimes I would push them um, to the limit, to, 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 the, to the limit where they're about to, 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 to vomit, right? From um, over, like I just keep pushing and pushing them until, until failure. And obviously that's the way I used to train because that's how I used to get my results. Um, but there would, there would be times where there would be days where I just couldn't push that, that much. You know what I mean? Like personally me that day, I just couldn't push as much as, 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 as any other time. But I would be pushing my training partner who's come along with me harder than I want to push myself. And that's the thing. I just start to think like there, there could be people out there 
that um, give that advice to people and, and push them to train as, as that hard, but them themselves never trained that hard. You know what I mean? So, and I guess that sort of applies to the same sort of thing with um, any type of um, uh, advice that you want to give people that if you're not pushing yourself um, in those areas, then just you can't give that advice because it's, it's not going to be advice that you've personally experienced. And I guess um, advice that you've personally experienced is the greatest advice because you've done it and you've been there and that's sort of what the thing that you pass on to people, right? Yeah, um, I think that it's really, it's experience at the coalface of any situation um, is inherently beneficial. Um, I guess there's a saying that those that cannot do teach, um, which is a little bit harsh on teachers <laughs> and I don't, I don't strictly believe that, but there is, um, there is a lot of, you know, there's a lot of snake oil salesmen out there that are selling advice with really no um, I guess, no credibility. Um, and one of the things I always try and do on, on this podcast, I guess, is take people through uh, my guests' entrepreneurial journey. So we heard, you know, in yourself, Adam, how you've progressed through all of these businesses and then finally into a live. Um, and hopefully it gives people a background that when you're listening to Adam and you're hearing what he's saying about hard work, about hiring, about finding your purpose, um, you actually can rely on the fact that he's done these things and he's experienced that journey um, rather than just getting someone on and, you know, they can speak about how great they are. But I guess if you don't see the full picture and you don't see the struggles and the hardships, it's hard to ascertain um, whether this person has the credibility to actually listen to. So it's something that I'm, you know, really big on and I try and bring it through in every single episode um, to make sure that people feel like the advice or, you know, the little gems that they're hearing um, you speak about, Adam, that they know that it's coming from, you know, an excellent source, um, which is exactly the same way that you approach your support network. Um, let's, I guess, move a little bit, I guess, a little bit even closer to home. Um, you've said to me that sort of your wife can be, I guess, the backbone of your household and really helps you to do what you do um, day to day. How do you balance, um, you know, being Adam, the father, Adam, the husband, um, and then, you know, obviously running live studios and your other ventures, how do you find that balance? Um, and obviously, you know, how does your, how's your wife help you? How do you feel like having a really successful home life helps benefit your entrepreneurial pursuits? Uh, I guess, you know, structure, like, you know, you need structure in your life if you want to um, build a business. Um, so not only structure in a business, you have to have structure in your life um, because if your life is falling apart or you're having, you know, struggling in your personal life, obviously it's, it, you know, it impacts your, your, your business, um, uh, your, you know, your businesses or, you know, like the, the dreams of trying to be an entrepreneur um, greatly because um, you just, you know, you're not in that mindset and you know, you know, you know more than anyone that you have to have a clear mindset um, every single day on a daily basis to, to run a successful business or um, to, to, you know, to set up your, to follow, to follow your dreams as an entrepreneur. Um, and I guess, you know, having a wife that supports me in um, at home, you know, knowing that I work really hard and long hours to um, to keep growing my business and obviously get into other ideas. Um, yeah, she pretty much takes care of the day-to-day -day stuff, um, you know, the things that other people um, don't have that support and they have to do that on top of trying to run a business or things like that. And some people don't have that support so and and you know they want to start to to pursue their the the um 
their business dreams, but they just can't do it because obviously they could be like a single father or they could have a, you know, a, a wife that works as well. So she can't look after kids. Um, if you have kids and things like that. So obviously people just, um, you know, I, I guess people start to say, well, I've got too much going on in my personal life that I can't pursue my business. So um, I'm just going to put that idea on hold for now until I get my personal um, life right. And sometimes they never get it right, you know, so they just, um, again, end up in that cycle of just working nine to five to pay bills and then looking after the family and just continuous, continuous, continuous. Um, but when you have a, a support mm-hmm. um, uh, like when you have a supportive partner um, or family, uh, you, like I said, you pretty much um, can do what you, what you need to do. And you just, um, you know, and you, and your family just does the day to day things, you know, like obviously keeping the house together and, um, raising, you know, the kids and, um, you know, doing all the other things that, you know, you don't have much time to do, um, so that you can just keep focusing on just, um, working and, and growing the business. Um, so that's, yeah, like I said, that's a huge help. And it's not always a smooth process, obviously, because, um, with any relationship, there's always going to be, um, ups and downs as well. Um, and I guess, you know, like, you know, when you do have those downtime, like, you know, those moments in your relationship where it's, it is getting affected by you spending too much time working, I guess it's just sometimes a good idea to just say, you know what, um, you know, it sort of punches you back into reality that you you do have a relationship. You can't neglect the people that are, that are, that are close to you, that are supporting you. You have to sort of support them as well. It's not always about them constantly supporting you building a business because it works both ways so i guess um sometimes when you do have those down um you know there's moments in your relationship where it's it's at its at a low point it's a good idea just to say you know what i need to take a step back from the business for a few hours or a day which is not going to affect anything at all um and say i need to spend a, a good quality time like a day with with the family you know so and that's the good thing about having my own business because i can do that i can just say you know what today's nice weather um, you know, let's take, you know, I'll take my daughter and my wife and we'll just go out to the park and, you know, we'll, we'll spend the whole day, we'll have lunch um, and, you know, kick the, the ball around and just just have fun and not think about anything, you know, and then that's, you know, that just sort of helps your mind as well recharge and relax and come back and then, you know, you can actually push yourself even harder and and, and, um, and su- succeed in, in things just by having that break, you know what I mean? So, um, and, and also before we end this topic as well, like I also work very hard throughout the year so that we can afford to take um, a pretty long holiday um, away somewhere, you know, up to, you know, six weeks um, at a time um, where, you know, usually you can't do that when you work full time for someone. So we have that, obviously that freedom to do that. And, you know, that really helps a lot because that six weeks helps you like sustain a whole year of not doing anything again, you know, just getting back to business and routine um, and then having that six weeks again every year. So I guess it's, you know, you just got to balance it. Yeah. Mm. And I guess, um, you know, we've, we've discussed in the, in the past, sometimes that trip is um, back to spend time with your, um, your wife's family where she obviously, she can get that, that recharge and that um, I guess that escape from, you know, the normal life, the other, what are we, 48 weeks of the year um, when she's obviously being such an important part of, really she's an important part of your business um, in some senses because if she wasn't obviously, you know, doing the things that she does for you, um, you wouldn't be able to enjoy this, you know, a, a really great and incredible life together um, off the back of the live studio. Yeah. So 
I think it's um, it, it's obviously important to balance those, uh, you know, balance your obligations to business and, and to family, but it's also, I guess, important in that sense and, and the way you highlighted it, that a live studios is the vehicle that allows you to spend those six weeks of quality time, um, you know, what, even though it's, I guess, once a year down the track, obviously you probably like to take a few more, a few more trips, but um, obviously with any expanding business, you know, it's baby steps and, and things like that. You can't really yeah. keep going on um, six week holidays, four times a year yeah, quite yeah. yet, but um, you know, those, those kind of things are made possible because you are investing your time back into the business. Yeah, no, as that's well. exactly right. So it's um, you know, it's you know, when you're when you when you're trying to become an entrepreneur and, and build your own businesses and things like that, I guess um, holidays are the last thing on your mind. Um, and that's the thing that people need to be careful about when when you know looking um, you know at social media accounts of people you know always on jets and and you know and like you know having champagne and these beautiful cars and stuff. Unless you know those people, people personally don't take too much of that stuff um, too seriously because sometimes it's all for show. Um, half of those people on on Instagram with those big accounts um, are either you know living off their father's money or their father's done all the hard yards and given you know the fortune to 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 the kids and things like that. Um, you know when you're building your own business. I can guarantee anyone that's building their own businesses, the last thing on their mind is having holidays. Um, and I guess building the businesses so they can go on holidays is one thing, but it's it's very hard to switch off um, your brain and try and keep going on holidays when you've got businesses to run or to, 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 to grow or to, to build. Um, so I guess, you know, like that could be your motivation but you'll you'll find out pretty quickly that that's not reality what you see on on Instagram accounts, you know. <laughs> yeah, I have definitely found um, I, like I haven't travelled a lot um, because I've been so focused on on other things, you know, buying real estate, investing, um, and putting myself in a position um, where I can do, you know, I guess give myself. I I, I really feel like I'm on a diving board. I'm at the bottom. Uh, you know, you, you bounce on the board and you sort of get the spring back and forward and now it's right at the bottom and it's about to sort of spring me up um, so I can go as high as I can go. Um, and one of the things I did last year was take um, was take three weeks, uh, which is the first holiday I'd had in like seven years um, and just chilled out. Um, and now that's something that I actually, it, it sort of set that part of, um, it, that's an extra motivation now for me to actually go to go bigger and build harder and I'm sort of more interested in traveling now than what I was before um, simply because you have to have, well, for me, um, and everyone is different, but for me, I reckon the holiday feels that much better when you know that you've earned it um, and that you've really put the time in and you've put, um, you know, you've, you've done your 110% that year um, and you're checking out or even I know people that take shorter periods, you know, they do, might do um, two weeks every uh, you know, every quarter or something like that. Um, we we'll just do a lot of holidays in the year, but they know when they get back from that two weeks that they are on 110% until their next two weeks away that are booked in. Um, and having that satisfaction at the end of that period of just working your ass off um, and getting onto the plane and, and sort of getting out of there, um, th- there's a certain satisfaction to that that I can tell you that driving around in, you know, Rolls Royces and Lamborghinis and taking photos on, on private jets 
um, when you haven't done the work, um, it's the, the, I guess there's a little bit of a oh, hollow yeah. feeling in that. And I think a lot of those people would experience that. There's a, a real, um, a real merit and a real, um, I'm trying to think of the word, I'm trying <laughs> to think of the word, Adam. There's a real, um, I guess there's a real pride in your work when you step onto a plane and you know that you've given it your all um, for that period of time and you've done everything to put your business, your life, your family and, and everyone in a better position than what you were, um, you know, when you came like back I from said, the last holiday. Like I said, it's within you, right? It's within you. Like if you feel like that, that means that that's just how you, you feel and that's, that's the, the, you know, that's one of the traits of, of being an entrepreneur, um, you know, like working hard and then earning what you get, right? So for me, it's exactly the same thing that that you that you mentioned. Um, you know, so when I do finally check out mentally um, and physically from the business to go on holidays with my family, you know, with my wife and my daughter and stuff, so they can see, um, you know, my my wife can see her family and my daughter gets to see her grandfather and grandma and uncles and stuff. Um, I feel like I, we've, I've earned it. We've earned it. You know what I mean? My wife has been working as just as hard as me, if not harder, to look after everything in the background um, so that I can, you know, do what I need to do and also get us on that holiday, get us on that plane and, and go for the holiday. So she's earned it just as much as I have. And um, it is a great feeling to, you know, it's, it's guilt-free. It's guilt-free relaxation, right? So... Um, because obviously when you, when you know you've got work and you're trying to relax, you know, you've got work, it's, you, you feel guilty that you're actually sitting down relaxing. It's not, it's not a good feeling. Um, but when you've earned it, it's just, it's, it's, it's a feeling that you can't sort of, um, describe unless you, you feel it, you know, you feel it yourself. Um, and yeah, and just mm. touching back onto, um, you know, all those quotes that people, look at as well um, on Instagram and stuff about entrepreneurship, you know, about failures and, and success and things like that. Um, I guess the more those types of, um, uh, you know, sort of quotes relate to you, the closer you are to sort of to, to being an entrepreneur. Um, so I guess, you know, like I've lived my life how I've lived my life. And then when I look at those quotes, that a lot of them relate to the way I've lived my life, you know what I mean? So I've had businesses and, and I've failed, but I've never given up. And you see a lot of those quotes there and I'm like, hey, that's, you know, I've lived that. Um, and I guess that's something that you sort of need to experience to become successful, you know? So um, a lot of people don't mm. fail enough to become a success. And I guess you hear that all the time and, it's, and it can't be more true um, in my life um, because, like I said, I've failed so many times um, to eventually become successful. Um, so now I look at those failures as, again, like as, as a learning curve. And, and I'm glad that it's happened to me because um, the people that it hasn't happened to um, are not where, 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 they're not where they are, um, you know, compared to where I am today. Um, and that's the, you know, touching back on my friend who is exactly identical to me in a lot of ways, except in the business world, um, he doesn't want to fail. You know what I mean? He's way too scared to fail. He, he finds any failure a waste of time. And, um, and I guess that's what keeps him in his little bubble where he doesn't want to, um, he just wants to work and come home and play Xbox and play PlayStation and look after his family and be excited about new games coming out where I'm excited about new business deals and I'm excited about you know, acquiring new property or, you know, or setting up something that is a passive income and things like that. So it's just amazing how 
you know, you can grow up with someone so similar and then again, it's just, it's either with you or it's either within you or it's not, you know what I mean? And that's, like I said, the entrepreneurship, like entrepreneurial um, uh, traits uh, have been in me, embedded in me since I was a little boy seeing my father running his own businesses and I'm just like, I, I want to be my own boss. I just don't want to work for someone and that's just um, the the pursuit to happiness for me. Mm. I'm going to leave you with something and then we're going to move on um, to uh, a couple more questions um, on the quotes. Um, I think the best quote about any quote you see on Instagram is quotes do not work mm. unless you do. Exactly. Um, there's a lot of people out there that have all the quotes exactly. saved on their phone, <laughs> that have seen all of the videos, have been to all of the training sessions, every seminar that's ever been done at the convention center, they've been to and they're still sitting there doing absolutely yeah, fucking yeah, nothing yeah. about it. I know, exactly right. That's the, that's the, they're the people who, like I said, I've had friends of mine who have complained about their jobs um, and I'm just like to them, I'm trying to push them to, to you know, to, to um, have the freedom that they, they, they're actually complaining about. Um, but they don't want to do it. That's it. So it's just simple. You either do it or you don't. And that's the thing. You, you know, I did it and uh, yeah, yeah. So Binary. obviously... It does frustrate me a bit to hear people complaining about um, about wanting to have this type of life and this type of life, but they don't want to put the work in to get it. And I'm just like, well, you know, like you're my friend, and as much as you frustrate me when you don't, you know, when you, you know, when you say you want this but you don't, you're not willing to work to get it. Um, I just sometimes have to zone out from you and just, just, you know, ignore it and just say, you know, why well, you're just gonna be miserable because it's in your hands, you know. <laughs> You just protect you protect your energy and and keep going on on your path. Exactly. And not, I guess, uh, yes. Yeah. So obviously, the people that that want the help, they'll come and seek you out. The people that actually don't want the help, yeah, they'll actually fair. just complain. <laughs> they'll complain about it, which is pretending that they want the help, but they don't really want the help. Exactly. They just want to talk about something. Um, let's duck into, um, I guess, a little bit of your sort of structure and the things that go on in your day to give people, I guess, a little bit of insight into what a day looks like for Adam Rostam um, at Alive Studios and across your other ventures. Um, do you use a morning um, so routine? I, you know, like I, I hear that a lot and especially from, from yourself that you love, you love your, you know, your breathing exercises and your meditating and your stuff like that. And, and you're not the only person, obviously, I hear that from a lot of different people who are, you know, striving to become an entrepreneur or are an entrepreneur and have their own businesses and things like that. Um, and I guess it's, it's you know, I, I admire that and I respect that, but it's just something that has never um, been my thing, you know. Like when I used to train at the gym, mm. um, I had to have a routine there because obviously if I didn't have that secured routine, I would miss my, my training session. So I guess that sort of pushed me, so, you know, I did just have a morning routine where I used to, you know, go in and, and early and stretch um, and, you know, and just relax my body and just, you know, get, get into the mindset of training. And then, you know, by the time I finish my training, just have a nice relaxing shower and then just get mentally fit and just have my breakfast and then hit work. Um, but since having a family um, and rest the way I've restructured my business, um, it's been a bit hard to have a routine, I have to admit. So my routine is pretty crazy. Um, it, it's flexible, flexible. And, and, and it's, and the thing is it, it's, it's relaxing for me, even though people think about it when I tell people mm. they're like, wow, 
So my routine is still, you know, 9am or 10am start till, you know, 3, 4, 5 in the morning. Um, and that's still till now. That's still going till now, that routine. So you still work. Obviously, I understand there's a global element to your business and communicating with people overseas, but you still, um, like every single day, you're in your office from 10am in the morning till 4am. That's, that's, that's on a typical basis, yes. Um, and, um, and it's just how it is. Like, I guess I've got, you know, clients who need, um, deadlines and have, you know, put a large scope on it. So, um, that's why people come to me because like I said, once I promise a deadline, I, I don't, um, I don't give up on that deadline. You know what I mean? So if, um, they tell me they need it by Wednesday, it's by Wednesday. There's no, sorry, we couldn't make it. Um, I don't have that in my books and, you know, we've, we, you know, we've worked on more than 400 projects now, um, since I started the live studios and we have never missed one deadline ever. I'm still just trying to get my head around like, is that, what's that like 16 hours a day? It's, every yeah, it's day? every day. But the, the thing is, it's not constant work. You know what I mean? Like because I'm working from my home office. I get to go out and spend a bit of time with my, my daughter and my wife and I get to, you know, play around, you know, just have, you know, run around, play, you know, and play with my little daughter. And that's like one of my favorite things to do. Um, so it's really, mm. it's a relaxing 16 hours, which is so hard for people to, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to comprehend, but you, you really yeah, love it's it. it's not like I what, you... what you're saying. No, you it wasn't have like it, it used different. to be. You know I mean? It wasn't like when I used to work at a full-time job and then work um, after hours, it was nothing like that at all, like zero. That's why my health deteriorated back then um, because it was just, a, it was a different, it's hard to explain unless you, you do it and you do both options and you see it for yourself. It's completely different. Like I feel very relaxed. Like I feel, I don't feel really, my, my health is really good. Um, and like I said, if, as soon as I feel like I'm a, I'm a little bit tired, I, I'm, the bed is right down, you know, two doors down, I've got my bed, I can go to sleep. It's just so relaxing. Um, it's like I can just sustain this forever. Like it's just, you know, that's just how it is. And I guess I'm not going to do this forever because I do have other things I want to do in my life than work 16 hours a day. But I'm still at the beginning of my entrepreneurial dream, right? I'm still just, I've just started to build the live mm-hmm. studio. It's, you know, I've been two years in as an actual, you know, as a fully independent, sustainable business. Um, so I'm, I'm still within the five-year failing um, gap, which, um, you know, we're, we're growing every single year. So I don't see how I'm going to, you know, I don't see any failures anytime soon, thank God. So I know I'm going to surpass that five years, uh, that five-year gap very easily. Um, and we're, we're just growing and expanding as we go along. So it's just, it's always positive, which is a good thing. And then because I've got my other ideas mm-hmm. going on on the side as well, which are going to branch out into other ideas. That's where the, the 16 hours comes to play, right? So it's not like just working on, on uh, a live studio constantly for 16 hours. No, it's actually pursuing my other dreams as well. Um, and I guess, you know, I'm going to look back at these just like I look back at my other failures um, in the past. So when I looked at my other failures in the past and now I'm in the present, I'm like those failures were learning curves and I'm glad that happened. Um, it's going to be the same thing with these 16 hour days. I'm going to say, I'm glad I did those hard, hard yards at the start and put in those 16 hours because now I'm living a life where I only have to work two hours a day or two hours a week. 
let me ask you a slightly different question just based on the fact that you, um, I guess, are not as routine and structured as some of my other guests um, and myself. Um, what is one thing you do every single day that's non-negotiable, um, you know, outside of work? Is it, you know, you always have a coffee at a certain time or you have a certain meal, you know, it can be something as trivial as, trivial as that or something else that's like a little bit more um, foundational um, I guess the one thing that I have to do every day is um, play with my daughter. Like I have to, it, yep. yeah, I have to, it's a great I answer. have to go and, you know, tickle her and, um, and just hear her laughing and, um, you know, she's starting, she's in that phase now where she's starting to, to learn words. So she's starting to talk um, and just hearing that every single day, that's what actually motivates me um, in my business as well, you know. So obviously seeing her wanting to give her everything in the world and, um, you know, and, and make sure that I do the best that I can um, so that, you know, so that when she gets older, she can be proud of her father um, and because that's something I didn't have growing up. You know, my dad, you know, um, he was a constant failure, I'm sorry to say, but he just... Um, was a real disappointment throughout my life and he didn't really, you know, provide me with anything. So everything that I have, um, I did on my own and this is where all these long hours come from because I'm putting in all the hard yards myself. I have not ever taken a handout from anyone. Um, I've never had any sort of help from my father financially or even, you know, um, mentally like advice or anything like that. Um, the advice came from my uncle um, to start to, you know, obviously the success that I have today, I sort of owe to the advice that my uncle did give me. Um, and that advice, that one advice after seeing me fail time and time again, and he sort of um, felt felt that failure, like he felt, you know, he felt sorry for me sort of thing, um, you know, just being his, his nephew and stuff. He just wanted to give me a piece of advice that he really hoped that I would follow. And I did. And this is where I am today was that people pay for knowledge and if you don't have um you know like uh, knowledge that people want no one's going to pay you for for anything so i guess you know having that in mind that's when i started to say the only thing that i'm really good at is you know was the artistic stuff that i was you know you know hiding the whole time because of my family was telling me to not pursue it um i was thinking i just started to think like people would pay me for that knowledge because it's it's a it's a natural thing that came to me that not a lot of people have um so i said that i need to study th this thing and then if i do open up a business people will pay me for what i know based on that and obviously now that i you know i become a 3d artist and now i have a business that i do a very um I'm in a very niche market of doing. Not a lot of people know how to do it, and I mean, obviously, a lot of people know how to do it. It's 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 growing, but not a lot not a lot of people know how to do it properly. Um, obviously, I see a lot of people right trying to run a business pretty early on um, with without the quality, and obviously, they end up getting stuck in charging very low rates, um, and then they can't sustain a business. Um, they can't hire anyone. Um, you know, they even they take on a lot of work because it's cheap. People just start loading up with work because it's cheap. Um, they can't afford to hire anyone good or hire anyone, period, because they just don't have enough um, budget to hire people to, to work on the, these jobs. Um, and then they end up failing, you know. So that's why I'm not afraid of any competition. I'm not afraid of, you know, like, you know, and I think this is advice in general. People should never, ever be afraid of the competition. And um, and that's the funny thing, actually. This is um, brings me to this point as well. 
um, a lot of people, when you tell them, and I don't know if you've had this experience, um, I would like to hear from you about this as well. Um, when you tell someone, like if someone's good at IT or someone's good at you know, um, real estate or someone's good at whatever, and you tell them, why don't you open up your own real estate company? Do you ever hear people tell you, oh, but there's so much out there, like what's the point of opening up one? Uh, I can't really speak to other people because I, I tend to, um, I've become hyper-conscious of this. When I started, um, when I started in property um, and now obviously I'm working on, you know, I'm working on a number of different businesses at the moment. Um, I, I guess the difference in my mindset was on day one, I, I think I was probably more looking for inspiration than anything, but like I was looking at the biggest agents in Melbourne, the biggest agents in Sydney, um, and almost in some senses, like idolizing these people, like, oh, if I can be like that one day, you know, things will be good, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think the thing that I really um, realized, I guess, a little bit later as I was putting in the work and I was getting better, um, and then I started, I guess, getting to a point where I was on a playing field with some of these guys that I've been looking up to. Um, and, you know, I start to know people that are close to them. I start to know the people themselves. Um, and once I got to know some of the people that I guess I aspired to or I looked up to, particularly in real estate, um, I realized that these people, um, some of these people were not very nice human beings. Um, firstly, they were excellent business people, but they were not, not humble. I would say good people. Um, no, not like humility can be one, like can definitely be one aspect of it, but just, um, you know, there's a multitude of, of reasons, but you, you know, I guess, um, like ego, um, you know, people that are just self-centered are completely in it for themselves. They don't want to give, I think contribution and giving back in some senses is really, really, um, is really, really important. You obviously have to get your own before you can go and sort of give to other people, but that can be, it doesn't have to be financial, you know, it can be with your time or with your knowledge, your experience, mentoring someone, um, and then even, I guess, on a more personal note, like as you get really, really close to some people, you start to realize that their personal lives, like they can be hugely successful in business, but their personal lives mm. are like in shambles. Um, you know, they've got their relationships are in a really bad place. Um, they're not spending the time that they should be with their kids. Like all of these things that as I was sort of, I was drawn to business because it was this vehicle that would allow me to live the life that I wanted, that I wouldn't end up, I don't want to be trapped by my own business. Like I don't want to be sitting there, you know, you, you mentioned your non-negotiables playing with your daughter. Like for me, that really speaks to why I, I love business as a vehicle um, to create wealth because you have the time to say, right, I'm going to go and work. And you also have the time to say, you know what, there's things that are more important than work and I'm going to focus on those right now. And it's your call. You're in, you're in control. You have complete control of your destiny. Um, and I started realizing that some of these people, they look so successful on whether it's social media or word of mouth or any of that. And they really just weren't like, they just weren't good. They weren't, they weren't people I actually aspired to. I aspired to the image that they put out and then when I realized that the image was basically bullshit, um, I, I got really, really, and this probably is only in the last 18 months to two years to 18 months, I got really, really um, inwardly focused on my intuition um, and what I wanted to do 
um, versus sort of looking actually probably not two years. It's probably only been 12 months when I've been really in tune. Like I maybe started to wake up to this two years ago, but now I've probably done a solid 12, 12 to 16 months of being really in tune with, um, with me and what I want. Um, and not from an ego perspective, like also thinking outwardly about family and friends and how I want to provide, um, for others and support others, um, and give back to the community and all of these things. Um, and what I found is as I was going through that process, I stopped looking at any of my competitors. And I, to this day, I have not a single interest in anything my competitors are doing. Now, the hardest, the hardest thing in real estate, um, as one of like one of the businesses that I'm involved in is a real estate business. Um, you have to know comparable sales. You have to know your marketplace and things that are going on. So I'm across like properties that, people are selling but I'm not sitting on social media I actually follow I, I think I follow uh, maybe two I think I probably follow two real estate agents on um, on Instagram and like that's it um, that's actually a lot I have a couple of personal friends in Melbourne that are also in real estate um, I, fo- I do follow them but as far as sort of um, people I guess like a little bit of a broader network like I follow two guys that I sort of really respect what they're doing. I've had a couple of, you know, a couple of interactions with both of them. Um, and, you know, I think they are pretty good people, but by no means am I sitting there. They're actually both, one of them's based in London, one of them's based in Sydney, um, and they're not my direct competitors. Um, so I will look at them for inspiration around marketing, advertising, a few other things. But my direct competitors in Melbourne, I pretty much don't interact with them Um and I don't look at anything they're doing, the noise they're doing. I don't care about what they're charging clients. I don't care about their advertising. I don't care about any of that stuff because I'm running my own race. Um, and really, this world is abundant. There's, a, there's just an endless amount of opportunities in every single um, industry you're looking at. Um, and as I've moved, I guess, and followed more of my heart towards a marketing business, as I've been doing recently, um, I did a little bit of competitor analysis um, as I was setting up and putting together a business plan for the first time. Um, and I got to the point and I was like, you know what, Adam, I'm creating something here that no one else in the marketplace is going to offer. Firstly, from a quality perspective, like what I was putting together. Um, and secondly, like the, the actual concept itself was about, it was really five or six different elements of, of this industry. I get the wider industry of marketing, advertising and content all packaged together in one. And I'm like, I'm creating something completely unique here. Um, why should I be indexing it against my competitors that are, in my opinion, playing it small? Um, they're, not, they're not competitors in my mind. Um, and that's really how I approach that sort of, I guess when you're looking around at your competitors, people can get into that race to the bottom on pricing or on quality or on whatever metric they're using to measure their business. I've just always tried to build ideas um, and look at myself and, and any business that I'm looking at as, I guess, the market leader, as the best at what we do. Um, and if you're always trying to be the best, it doesn't matter. What exactly right, yeah. So um, I guess, you know, whoever's listening out there, um, and, you know, aspiring to become an entrepreneur or, you know, wanting to build their own business. Um, I guess the piece of advice that I would give to the listener is um, you hear so many people say, I can do that better, you know, with any service that they see and stuff like that. You hear a lot of people say, I can do that better, but they never do it. They just say they can. Um, I guess, yeah, like I said, you, you should never, ever worry about the competition. You should always just think about, 
something that you've seen, even if it's existing. I mean, obviously, if it's non-existing it's, um, and it's something you know, new that you bring into the market, I mean, you know, more power to you. You're going to be way more successful than any existing idea um, because you're, it's a game changer, right? It's, it's changing, you know, something, a service in the world that, you know, um, that's never been around. Um, but if you do have an idea about something that already exists, like, for example, when I opened up a live studios, um, there was already so many um, high-end uh, rendering companies just in Melbourne alone, let alone Australia-wide. Um, so you would think, you know, people would think, then why mm. would you open up one if there's like a million of them? But the thing is, um, I know that I, I've opened up something different. Um, I know it's within the same industry, but it's, 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 it's different in so many different ways. Um, and it could be anything. It could be the way that you interact with your clients. It could be the, the process of the way you get the work to, to the finished product um, that could be unique to yourself. Um, it could be the way you've branded your company. It could be um, how you treat your clients. You know, it could actually have nothing to do with the business itself. It could be just the way you treat your clients. Um, if you treat your clients completely different to your competitors, you're going to be a success. Yeah, I've always thought that um, in the sense of not comparing, you know, not comparing to your competitors, um, at the same time, like when you walk into a client meeting, um, and you're sitting down, whether it's a pitch or anything like that, all you are doing is your absolute best. Um, and if you walk out of that meeting and you don't get the business, it's not because the competitor was necessarily like, well, I guess this is a bit of a, it's a, I guess a bit of a convoluted topic in the sense that there is certain technical skills that you need to be able to execute on a pitch. Like if your public speaking's awful, then you probably need to go and work on that. But I'm at the stage where if I go and pitch for a business and I don't get it, I know that it's nothing to do with, um, you know, it's nothing to do with me and my skill set. It's just because they're not the, they're not the right fit for me or for my business. Um, and I can just have complete clarity moving forward that I will attract the people that I am, I guess, you know, somewhat destined to do business with. Um, and everyone else will, um, you know, everyone else will just sort of go on their merry way and they'll go to the competitors and it is no, what it is. Like you I said, about um, if you do the best you can, then at least you can, you know, hold your head up high and, and know that you did the best you can and there's nothing further that you could have done to win that job. Um, and like you said, it was, it wouldn't like, if you don't win the job, it, it had nothing to do with you. It could be that, you know, the client had a, a personal relationship with someone that owns the company or they've had a long working relationship that they don't want to change. Um, but you know, if you did something that you didn't do to the best of your ability, that's when you start to say, well, it could be uh, that I didn't get the job because I did something wrong. You know what I mean? But that's that's the that's the the good way to think about it. If you do the best you can, then you don't have to worry about if you got it or not because of what you've done. Because you've done the best you can, right? So you can just move on and continue on with the the next the next thing. And and the other thing that I want to touch base on is even if you don't get that job from that client, because this has ha this has happened to me a lot of times, right? So in in with the live studios, mm. um, you know, I've been approached by a massive company. Um, and I don't want to mention any names, but I just say a massive company that I've always wanted to work with, um, you know, has approached me and they're a, you know, pretty high end name. So you're like, well, you know, I can't believe they've actually come to a live studios. Um, and they've, they've given me the yep. opportunity to, to give a quote, right? So I've given a proposal and I don't end up getting it. And then down the track, I see that my competitor got it. 
and then I'll just like you know, and it, it, it sometimes it it helps. It doesn't like sometimes you can't um, help it, but feel like um, like feel a bit of um, disappointment that you didn't get it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, of course, um, but. Oh, just because you don't care what the your competitors are doing doesn't mean like you don't lose you don't lose your emotions um, by any means. But it's about what you after. Yeah, yeah. That you have that emotional response, that disappointment, and then you go back and you you know you make sure that you're building out your business to attract the next big client. Yeah, rather than dwelling. On but it. but that's the thing. Touching on uh, touching on what you said, you know, like you you did the best you can, and if you don't get it, then it's it was nothing that you did wrong. Um, it, it helps because, um, and this is from personal experience in my business, um, that client came back and I ended up getting a different job from them and they become a client. You know what I mean? Because I, you nurtured the relationship, you looked after them, you did everything you could. I did, I did um, all the right things. Um, so that, that's why the, the impression of me was, wasn't a bad one, right? They just said, um, yep. You know, there was nothing wrong with how I approached them. It was a very professional manner. It was very organized and very structured. They were loving it. But again, just for that some reason, I just didn't get it. For No one knows that the reason why. I just didn't get that job at that time. It was just what wasn't meant to be maybe. But that, that didn't stop them from coming up to me for a second time and saying, well, now we can push you forward even further because there's an opportunity now that we can get you on board um, compared to the last time, you know. And then I've been coming on board and now they've become a good client of mine. Um, and now we've got a, a long working relationship with them, you know. So, um, you know, that's that's the, the thing when you're in business, you have to always do the best you can all the time, no matter what, because you're representing your business, right? So you have to make sure that you're rep- representing your business in a positive and um, in a professional manner so that even if you don't win the job, um, you can know that you've done the best you can and your name hasn't been you know, tarnished or destroyed. And um, if they want to come back to you in the future, you never know. And, and it's happened to me they've come back. But I, and there's other companies or there's other entrepreneurs or other business owners who get sour, right, that they didn't win the job. Mm. And then they take it on a personal level, which they shouldn't because business is business. It's not personal. Um, and then they should be able to. Um, and, and, and what's happened is you know, that client would come back to them for another job and they'll be like, no, you didn't give me the other job. So stuff you, I don't want to work with you. I mean, that is the worst sort of attitude you can have as a business owner. Um, that's self-destruction, right? That's, that's, you're, you're going to bring your, your company down to the ground with, with your own bare hands. Um, where if you can continue to remain professional and, and just take, you know, and don't, don't take anything personally, um, then you can always just, be the best you can and you'll end up getting those jobs or you'll get better jobs and just keep growing the company like that. And that's what's happened to me. I've always grown the company by being a nice person for my clients, by being professional, by being helpful, by going out of my way. Um, and like I said, you know me, you know, on a more personal level as well, you know, my personality, how I am. I like to help people if I can. And I like to sort of, you know, if I can collaborate and connect people with other people, even if it doesn't benefit me at all. Um, as, as, you know, I feel happy. Like, for example, if I can help you with something with another client of mine and I don't get anything out of it, but, you know, that, that you respect me and my client respects me and, you know, both of you are happy that I helped you out, it just leads to more positive things in the future. I definitely agree with that. Um, one thing on competitors before we move on, um, I guess a little bit of a uh, – I've worked um, – I've always maintained that there's people within the industry um, that will speak 
badly of you to clients, um, you know, for whatever reason. Um, in my case, I have two previous, um, two previous employers um, that I know firsthand from clients um, basically, you know, talk shit about me in pitches. Um, you know, if they know that they're competing against me, um, they'll basically bring up me and what I do and my strategies and try and like undermine me in the pitch to the clients. Um, the fact that I know that these people do it, I guess is, um, is really, really funny because the clients feel so comfortable with me that actually these people are, are doing these things. Um, and I guess the one piece of advice and the one thing that I learned this very, very early, never, ever, ever speak badly about a client in, uh, in two aspects. The first is in, in a pitch and in front of, um, in front of other clients, um, you know, never mention how difficult a certain client is or anything like that because your reputation is super important. Your reputation amongst your competitors, you don't have to worry about it. If Joe Bloggs from the agency down the road is talking rubbish about you, you literally don't have to worry about it as long as you um, make sure that your clients are protected um, and that you have really good word of mouth amongst your um amongst your clients. Um, I guess the other, the other aspect, which is, uh, I guess really, to, to keep it really, really simple, um, internal cultures at some businesses um, can be very ungrateful. Is that even a word? I'm not sure if that's a word, but they're not, <laughs> they're not grateful of, of the business they're receiving from the clients. Um, and the internal culture can be like, they'll be speaking about the clients, like this person's such a pain in the ass. The one thing um, when I stepped away from working at big companies, um, very, very recently, I decided to go on, on my own path. One of the core pillars of all, my, um, of all my businesses is gratitude and you should be grateful for those clients. If I've got a client calling me every hour, breaking my balls about something, right? I'm still grateful to have the business. And you know what? If they are actually breaking my balls and I don't want to do business with them, it's also my right as a business owner to say no. But the reality is I went, I pitched these clients, I found them, I brought them into the business and I knew that they'd be difficult to deal with often. Um, and you should be grateful for that experience and know that if you do your job, right, the next time they won't be breaking your balls because they know. Um, a lot of the clients we deal with, you know, um, 3D visualization, we're talking about, um, you know, quantums of dollars that are 30, 40, 50 grand for some of the work you're doing. Um, it's the same with, with real estate, with marketing, um, with the networking packages that I'm putting together at the moment. Um, they're huge quantums of dollars that people are investing. Um, you have to be grateful that you're receiving that money and that it's not going to your competitor. Um, so I think first and foremost, obviously, externally, never speak about clients to other clients. Um, but then internally, you also have to be deeply grateful for the business and never talk, um, I guess, never talk badly about clients ever in, in any which way. Um, the final thing there is just anything that your competitors are saying, don't worry about it. The reason they're speaking that way is because they can't pitch. They can't pitch and win business on their own merit. So instead, they're looking to bring you down. There's two ways, Adam, to build the biggest, tall, the biggest and tallest tower in the city. You can either pull down the biggest tower until yours is taller, or you can just simply start building the biggest tower. Um, and I've always believed in the second one. And I think to date, my clients um, and, and the business that I've won um, would reflect that that method works pretty well. Um, to keep things moving quickly, I'm sitting in my office and I'm at a book 
um, called Sell Like Crazy by Sabri Subi that is on my reading list next. Um, is there any book for you in the last sort of 12 months, the recent recent period that you've read that's really stood out for you? Um, I'm, I'm a 3D artist, so I can tell you right now I hate reading. Um, and I guess a lot of people who are artistic can, can relate to that. We just, we, we love seeing visuals, right? So we like, um, you know, we can watch, we can watch things, we can listen to things. Um, but we, when it comes to reading, I, I just, I zone out, I can't. Um, so, you know, obviously I've always admired people who read and I've always wanted to read because there's a lot of, um, content that's interesting to me when it relates to entrepreneurial um, skill sets and things like that. Um, but I just couldn't get into reading. So I ended up, um, thankful for the audio books that come out, you know? Um, and the reason why I love this, I, I think they're one in the same now. I know so many people that actually that, that don't read and I just say, what book are you reading? And they just tell me what they're listening to. Yeah, exactly so. right. So, so, but but the, the, the reason why I love the audio books is because I actually can listen to them in the car while I'm driving um, from meeting to meeting. Um, and I find that so convenient because it doesn't take any time away from me um, in, in my other, uh, like, you know, when I'm doing other things, obviously when running the business or spending time with my family. Um, so while I'm driving in the car, instead of listening to, to music or, or rubbish news or something like that, I can just put on an audio book and, and that just motivates me and helps me think. And I don't know about you and about others, but when I'm driving and sometimes I'm in traffic, um, I do sometimes get into deep thinking. Um, because sometimes it's just something that I can do when I'm just by myself. I can just, you know, sort of um, drift away and just, you know, get into deep thought um, when I'm stuck in traffic. And um, when I'm listening to his um, audio books, I can really just like, I can just, just zone in and, and, and focus on what they're, they're speaking about. And it just helps motivate me, um, you know, while I'm going to a client meeting, I can have a different perspective from going from my office to a client meeting, it can, like an audio book can change my perspective on life or business in, in, in 40 minutes or 30 minutes of driving from the office to the client, you know? And um, sometimes that could be so positive, um, it, it can turn the whole meeting around just because I was motivated in those 30 minutes, right? Um, so, yeah, so I love that, um, that part of um, the audio books. Um, so, yeah, in the past, I've, I've listened to... Um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is obviously the most generic. A lot of people know it's very popular. Um, Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah. So, um, it's the author. Yeah. So he's, um, you know, he's, uh, so, you know, with me, uh, again, when listening to people um, about becoming an entrepreneur or generating wealth or whatever, I, I just um, take in a few little things and then the rest of it, it's just, I just listen to their experience. I don't take any further. Um, because obviously a lot of people live their life differently and, um, you know, some people actually follow the dream so much that they don't actually pursue, um, family life, you know, they don't, they don't have kids, they don't have a, a wife or, or they have a wife but they don't have any kids. Um, or some people are just single and just stay single for the rest of their lives because they're just chasing wealth. Um, or some people like to deal with, um, cause I think I mentioned to you about interest, how I don't deal with interest and things like that, um, mm -hmm. for personal reasons. And, um, I just uh, and obviously a lot of the advice is about generating wealth through through interest um, uh, setups and stuff like that. So that's why I only take in like a few percent, and then the rest I just listen. The to bits you experience. can use, 
That's right. So I just take bits yeah. and it's, 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 and it's, if it's only that little bit that I can use, which like I said, it has helped me a lot. Um, I'm very grateful for. So, um, that's anything I, else rich dad poor dad so um, rich dad poor dad the, the, the other one that i, I listened um from him was the the quadrant one you know the, which one i'm talking about that quadrant? uh yeah I'll, I'll link it in the show notes for people i'll put a link to both of those books on on amazon um yeah, i and, have um, and, and i have read that book it might be somewhere in my bookshelf i'm looking yeah. for it i can't see it but it's the um, quadrant yeah. one about how setting up quadrants um, of wealth or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. It's really, really good. It, it, it tells, it explains the um, the difference between uh, uh, like a um, an employee, an employee, um, uh, a sole trader, um, a business owner, like an actual having a company, and then an investor. Um, and obviously, the, and and how he explains it is, um, he he believes that the the, the employee employee and the sole trader in uh, in the left quadrant together, um, and then he believes that um, when you move on from that from those two to the other side to the right side, which is the business owner and the investor, you're actually getting closer in those two squares to becoming uh, financially free. Um, and that's, that was a massive, 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 um, uh, eye opener for me when I was listening to that one, because that just helped me realize that I can't be a sole trader because I was a sole trader for a very long time with Alive Studios until I decided to take it into a company. So now I'm an actual company owner rather than just a sole trader with an ABN because that kept me closer to an employee. Um, and obviously Mm. Um, now Alive Studios has just because of that advice, my Alive Studios is getting closer now for me to set it and forget it, right? So I can just like get the work um, and I just do a little bit of managing and the, the work gets done on its own and I can just move on. Um, and that's, Have you read that's, The 4-Hour Workweek? No. Is that, that's, oh, is that a good one? Have you listened to The 4-Hour Workweek? No. Um, you know, w- what I'm going to do um, as... A, a small gesture of you coming on today. I'm actually going to ship you a copy. Uh, I won't ship you a copy. I'll buy you the ebook so you can listen to it. Oh, um, sure that's by Timothy Ferris. Um, it's a book that a couple of my guests to date have um, have mentioned, um, oh, wow. and it's an excellent, excellent book um, about basically set and forget and becoming a digital nomad, being able to travel and really operate your business from. Um, from your laptop, he focuses sort of particularly on on ecom businesses, but it's really, you know, it's the same. It's all applicable. He talks a lot about um, a lot about virtual assistants and things like that that you can set up that basically take a lot of out of your inbox and you're logging on and doing. It's literally about doing four hours of work a week um, wow. and just having the money the money flowing in and then being able to take um, you know take a lot of time off during the year to go and travel and and learn new things and enjoy time. So I'll um I'll make sure that we um, that we get a copy of that across to you because I that's an, that. that's Thank an you. excellent um, excellent excellent read or, or listen in your case. Um, awesome. I'm going to wrap up. Um, hang on, just oh. before before we continue before we mm. continue. Um, the very first book I ever read, the very first ebook yeah. I ever listened to, and this is the one that I recommend that people listen to first before anything else we've just mentioned, um, is the e E-Myth, um, the, the, the E-Myth Revisited. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, hey, do you know the author? Um, I can, I can get it. So I'll, 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 I'll pass it on to you after the show. Um, and then you can, um, put it in the, in the notes for people. Um, because... 
mm. because I think that's because um, what happened was um, this is just a quick little story about um, when I was trying to find the business advisor. Um, so I noticed a lot of people when they had a business, when I would call them up and try to ask them questions, they'll all, they'll always say my business advisor would never would advise me against me like mentioning anything of this information. Um, and I'm just like a business advisor or, you know, like business coach, business advisor, someone who, who helps um, guide the, the, the business um, along um, and helps to build the business, um, you know, in certain areas and things like that. And you pay them, you know, like, you know, by, by whatever. Um, yep. And the thing is, I, I never had that, you know, because obviously I'm always like a, I'm always a self-taught type of person. So I was just like, um, I was always thinking, you know, like maybe I should get one if these guys have, you know, got a successful company. Um, and they've got a they've mm. got a you know a business coach or um, a business advisor, um, so I started to look into that. And obviously, LinkedIn is my favorite place to go when I'm trying to look for business connections um, or anything to do with business related, um, you know, relationships. And um, and I started to search. And obviously, I just put in like a, I put a status up. I'm looking for a business advisor. Um, or a business, you know, coach or something, can someone help me out? And obviously, a lot of people started tagging people in there, and that was so helpful because I started contacting people. And what ended up happening is I got a call from a guy, and when I spoke to him, this guy was, like, very full-on, and I felt intimidated by him, actually, because he was um, very direct, and I think that's, what's, that's the, what a whole business um, coach or advisor will be, like a direct person who will tell you exactly how it is, and he won't be shy. Um, but mm. I felt like when I spoke to him for the very first time, I was still a little bit vulnerable and he was just very direct with me. So I sort of just went, well, you know what I mean? Like I just sort of stepped back. I was a bit scared to, to speak with him. Um, and he goes to me, have you listened, to, have you read the book, um, The E-Myth Revisited? And I said to him, no. And he said, well, before I help you with anything, I suggest you read that. And if you're still interested in, in continuing to open up a business, then give me a call. Um, he had so much right to say that because it was such a good story, this um, e-book, uh, this e-myth revisited because it actually explains about a girl, a, a girl who used to work for in a family business. I think it was her grandmother's or something um, in a pie shop and she became so good at making pies that when her, I think her grandma or something passed away and she wanted to take it over, she was struggling to the point where she was about to close. Um, and then she got a business advisor in to help her out and he gave her all this advice and she started to go from there. Um, and it was so, so good. Like it's got so many different, um, I think it's got like three or four different examples of different businesses. Um, mm. And it shows you really how to think about business and how to, um, to sustain the business and how to build it and structure it. And so like I had so much um, helpful information in there, but I, I, that's the first thing that I think anyone should read before going on to Rich Dad, Poor Dad and any other ones. I think that ebook, that e-myth revisited is probably the first one because that when I first um, uh, listened to that one, I was like, that's it. I was hooked on ebooks from there and I wanted to learn more and business just started to become a lot more positive and yeah. Big change. I'm really glad that you shared that. Um, E-Myth Revisited is by uh, Michael Gerber, Michael E. Gerber. That's correct. Um, yeah. I've, have you had, got it, have, I've got have it you... on a list of books um, that I was, um, that I've got. It's on, I've, it's on my want to read list because yeah. I've heard it recommended by, by multiple people. But oh, I'm so to. glad that you could share that. Um, obviously, uh, anything that's, you know, foundational for people getting started, um, I think is so, so um, so, so, so helpful. Yeah. Um, 
I guess um, sort of to to wrap up and and in in conclusion, do you have um, do you have any strange little habits, little sort of weird things you do that people would be um, I guess interested to find out about? Um, I guess <laughs> uh, this is embarrassing. Um, I guess uh, you know um, I talk a lot. So my wife and my... we spoke for four hours on the phone the other night. Yeah, I know. Just to give people an insight, and and like, and the thing... gave Adam a quick call to to um to discuss. I think we're actually discussing this podcast, and we ended up chatting all things for four hours. Four hours, yeah. So yeah. And, and I could have kept going. Obviously, I was the one actually that ended it because I wanted to. <laughs> I, I had stuff to do. You had a deadline um, to meet. Yeah, and um and my wife tells me constantly that you talk too much, and my mum is the same thing, and um. And I guess that's what I find is 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 a is a strange habit with me. But I guess I it's not a bad thing to have in business. No, it's not a bad thing to have in business. Exactly right. Because um, although my wife makes fun of it, she also admires it because she knows that when I whenever I go anywhere, I can get into a conversation with someone and I can easily change the whole vibe of of the room. Um, mm. Where when it's when it was her brother or something like that, they just sit there and they don't talk about anything. You know, what I mean? they just sit there playing completely dead. And 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 this and the reason why I'm using this example is because yeah, at the at the hairdressers um, when I was in uh, Lebanon to visit my my wife's uh, family, um, you know, I had to go get a haircut. And obviously, as soon as I started getting a haircut, I started to make conversation with the guy. And then obviously, we started talking throughout the whole time. Um, and then when her brother went to get a haircut, it was just completely dead. Like it was just like you can hear the crickets, um, and and she started laughing because she was like, um, yeah, like she 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 loves it. She admires that because when she was like making fun of her and I was telling her to stop, she was just laughing and saying like I, I like I don't mean it in a bad way. Like she actually yeah. finds it a good thing, and I'm like, well. I have to because I used to be a car salesman, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely something. It's definitely something that I like about you as well, and it's um, made it very, very easy for us to have, you know, great conversations in the past. And um, thanks. I, I guess to lead into to, to people that want to hear you talk more, um, where can where can our listeners find you online? Uh, so basically, obviously, my, my biggest um, following, as, as I mentioned before, is on LinkedIn. Which is just your name, isn't it? Yeah, just Adam Roston. Yeah, so if you want to put that link there and people want to yep. follow me and, um, you know, um, ask me questions as well, I'm more than happy to answer stuff. Um, and also on on Instagram as well um, and Facebook. So all the three major Instagram, platforms. Instagram, you're at Adalive Studios, is that right? Yeah, Adalive Studios, but it's Alive and then it's two underscores together, then Studios. Perfect. Um, I'll link it in the show notes for everyone. Yeah, um, and and, and the Facebook one as well. So obviously just visit them and get the links and paste them. It will probably be better, um, more accurate. Um, And yeah, and if people want to, like I said, ask me a bit of questions and stuff like that, um, you know, um, just keep in mind that I'm extremely busy. So if I do not answer, I apologize. I will get to you as soon as possible. Um, But yeah, I'm more than happy to help anyone who's interested in, um, you you know, doing something of their own. Um, but yeah. And if there's anyone out there that um, feels more um, more comfortable speaking um, speaking to me, I'm happy to um, prospectively set up maybe um, you know a Facebook Live conversation or or something like that with um, with Adam and I, and we can answer some questions, do some you know Q and A and stuff about some of the things we've spoken about and, and Adam's business and all of that um, a little bit further at a later date. If there's a few people that, that would be interested in that, um, you can feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook or, um, or LinkedIn as well. 
Yeah, that's a good idea. Well, thank you for your time today, Adam. It's been um, it's been really really enjoyable, and I um, I cherish the time so we get to speak and, and hear your story again because it really is an amazing one. No, um, thank thanks you. so much. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Um, I really appreciate you having me on, and um, yeah, we can hopefully do it again in the near future. Beautiful. Thank nice. you. See you, mate. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to Radio by Jack Roberts. If you would like to keep up to date with our high-performance guests, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me online at Jack Roberts 8 on Instagram and Jack Roberts on LinkedIn.